welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. With me today is my co-host is Karen Hibbert, who's the director of Visit Manhattan. Thanks for being with us today, Karen. It's my delight to be here. And we have a special guest, someone that you've known in multiple roles, uh, is Summer Ott Dirks. And Summer is our chair-elect of the chamber, and she will be chair next year, starting in January. So, Summer, welcome to Think MHK Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Summer, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up with your own legal firm in Manhattan. Yes. So, I was born and raised a wildcat, so always knew I was going to come to K-State. I graduated K-State in 2005 and um, went to work for the K-State Foundation doing fundraising for the College of Agriculture. Then I joined Karen's team at the Convention Visitors Bureau and did convention sales um, and knew that I was destined to go to law school eventually, so I had taken the LSAT. Actually, right out of college, I took the LSAT and um, joined a firm here in Manhattan after I uh, left law school in 2012 um, at Washburn, and I've been here practicing law ever since. So Summer, when did you get active in the chamber and why did you decide to become engaged? So I was I was definitely active while I was a chamber staff member. I would attend events. I'd meet people. Um, I think that's really when I found the importance of the chamber by by meeting different folks in town and realizing that it was such a great networking opportunity. Um, I don't think that I realized the importance of it until I had my own business and then saw um, advocacy um, about issues at our state level and city level, um, that's when I really realized the importance of the chamber. Summer, when you worked with us at the Convention and Visitors Bureau, we certainly enjoyed that time, and it was an exciting time for the community. We were growing and changing. Talk a little bit about uh, your time when you were with the Convention and Visitors Bureau, and now, as you are in your current position, how you see the importance of that, as well as being a staff member and then serving as a chamber leader. So at the Convention Visitors Bureau, I uh, came in in a sales position because that's what I was doing prior. And I knew that I was uh, good at that job. You and I even, um, we, we would sell the community as a destination for conventions and uh, envisioned our community growing. We would go down to Branson to visit the convention center before we put our uh, Hilton Garden Inn in place here in Manhattan. And so the time at the Convention and Visitors Bureau was certainly a time to focus on the growth of Manhattan. And I am still focused on that. So Karen, talk a little bit about, I know, We've talked before about when you interviewed Summer for the job, and, and she mentioned that she always knew she wanted to go to law school. But talk about that interview and, and your how you felt about it, and then when she came to tell you she was going to law school. Certainly. Well, it just seems like yesterday um, Summer came in. We had an interview, again, for the convention sales position. One of the questions that I always like to ask potential employees is, where do you envision yourself in five years from now? And Back when we asked that question, Summer, your reply to me was? I will be a lawyer. So I said, well, you let me know when that day and time will be right. <laughs> and so five years went like the blink of an eye. Summer comes into the office, shuts the door, and I said, have five years passed already? <laughs> <laughs> and the conversation was, 
guess where I'm going. Yes. I said I was going to law school. I'm taking off and the rest is history. Yeah, and kudos to you because here you had established a career. Uh, you had graduated from college. You'd established a career. You'd been out of school for about five years, five, six years, Correct. right? And then to take that leap of faith to, again, pursue the law degree. Tell us a little bit about what was your driving force? Uh, obviously, probably always been a goal, right? Yes, always a goal. I really wanted to make a difference in lives personally, like in someone's actual lives at home, the mm -hmm. things that they were going through. So that was my drive to become an attorney. Um, I, I just knew that I could do a lot of great things and wanted to study the law. So one of the things that you you and I have talked about that that's interesting is in addition to the private work you do, you also are now uh, a city attorney, correct, for yes. a few communities? Yes, I'm the city attorney for Westmoreland. Okay. And so you get to see some of these issues on both sides, right? I do. So, yeah. Yes. So talk a little bit about what that experience is like. It's been educational, very educational, because I, I have had to teach myself the law, municipal law, um, and ev like everyone does, it's certainly the practice of law. You don't know everything when you graduate law school. It's been nice in the role of being an executive committee member because I don't have as much city involvement um, going into the executive committee role. I've learned it through my um, role as city attorney and things like s zoning ordinances or um, uh, issues that the, that the city commissioners might face. I've listened to those and advised on those, so I'm pretty well versed at this point. So you talked about the executive committee, and you currently serve on our exec committee and have for the previous three years. Um, how did you get recruited to that, and why did you decide that was something you wanted to do? Yes, good question. So Kristen Brighton actually was the, the person who called me, and I'm very thankful for her that she reached out to me and told me that she was seeking some younger members to be on the chamber board. I really, that hit home with me. Um, because I had always, as a chamber staff member, I'd see the chamber board walk in and I'd think, oh, someday I'd love to be them. And so it was a huge honor to be asked to be part of the board uh, and then executive committee, of course, that that was a natural thing that I, I couldn't say no. I knew that that was a great opportunity, so said yes. And, and being asked to be on the executive committee means you will, at some point, in all likelihood, become chair. And so 2022 is your year to be chair, and most chairs come in with uh, certain goals and objectives they want to reach. What are some of the goals and objectives that you have for your time as chair? Yes. Well, and as I just mentioned, I, I am very passionate about young professionals. And so I, uh, our former chair, uh, Wayne Sloan, a couple of years ago, focused on young professionals and revamping that. And I'd like to carry on his uh, in his honor to, to continue that making sure that our young professionals are paid attention to, that we retain and we attract our young professionals, but also um, develop more entrepreneurs in our city. And so that would be, those are my main goals. Great, and in the last three years as being on the executive committee, what are some of the things that, that we have done that, that you're most proud of when you talk to people? Yes, well, I think the advocacy of issues um, is something that I'm very proud of that we, we definitely we keep our members informed we try to make decisions that really affect our businesses we are the united voice for um, general membership of the manhattan chamber of commerce so i'm really proud of us uh, doing that work 
and then um, reforming the young professionals into hype and making it what it is today. I think that is a really great thing, um, as well as focusing on economic development. I think that you, as our president of the chamber, you've done a great job focusing on economic development with Mark being chair, and your past experience has, has benefited us. So I'm really proud of that. So Summer, as you know, the chamber is a full-service chamber. Um, in the fact that we have membership, uh, tourism, and economic development. We all uh, work together to make the community better. Um, why do you believe that having all three of these programs together is a benefit for Manhattan? Yes, I believe that it is a benefit because we all know what is going on at all times. Um, I, I think if they're in separate silos, then you don't get to have the crossover and learn about what one one area is doing to benefit the other and so there's a lot more of a connection between those areas and we can all work together and combine our resources so you just started your own business yes talk about some of those challenges of being a new business owner yes so starting a new business um I was very blessed in that I had a lot of community contacts that I was able to call on, and I do lend that um, a lot to being an active chamber member. I wouldn't have had those contacts if I had not been so active in the Chamber of Commerce. Um, but the the struggles are certainly starting your business. You have to have the faith to do that, the leap of faith and the courage to jump out on your own and uh, the confidence to know that you can and you will succeed. And if you don't succeed, you're in a lot of trouble. So you have to have a good banker. And so uh, my banker was actually wonderful. Um, he's, he's taught me a lot. And in finding good help is actually, that can be difficult. I was very excited to find the woman that I have that's helping me full time. But I have gone through a lot of staff members at my old law firm. And so I want to make sure that we have great prospects in our community and if they're military spouses that's great i think we should give everybody an opportunity and make sure that they have employment opportunities and so to be clear you you just opened your own law firm and uh, and so that's that's obviously been a challenge and but it but it looks like something that you've had a lot of fun doing what's what is the uh, average business get from being a member and being active in the chamber what what what's the benefit to an average business? yes i think the big benefit that stands out is the networking opportunity i think that's what everybody sees when they see the chamber of commerce um, you have luncheons you have after hours different you know ribbon cuttings things to go meet prospective clients customers so the networking is really what stands out to me but the advocacy is certainly another thing that um, is a huge benefit that I don't think a lot of chamber members might not even know about. And certainly prospective chamber members may not know because otherwise they would find some more benefit. And so talking a little bit about uh, going back to the executive committee and we have, you've been able to serve with a lot of diverse people. So uh, people with years of experience versus relatively new and in different industries. Is there anything that you've learned from those people or any anything that you've uh, experiences you've had that, that have been important to you along the way? Yes, I think being a young woman, I mean, certainly in my own job, I've, I've overcome a lot of um, struggles and adversities that young women overcome. So I think that overall, um, I think if you're a minority in the room, that doesn't mean that you don't have a voice and you should always speak up and be heard. And so I think that I've learned that from those individuals. They've and you feel like you've had that opportunity as being the chamber? And yes. I mean, in terms of chambers, you are definitely relatively young to be a chair. And so is that something that, 
that makes you a little nervous or is it something that you're proud of or a combination of, of both of i think i'm i'm nervous just as nervous as anybody would going into that role but um i'm very excited about it i think it's it's great and it should always happen i mean it should be we have younger uh, leaders who are um, involved in the community and want to take those roles so that's great so question for karen um, is this the first former staff person you've had that has become your boss uh, yes, it has, and it just makes me very, very proud um, to have that pleasure and honor to um, work for Summer rather than Summer work for me. And so uh, what a delight that is. I, I certainly hope that as you lead the chamber that none of us disappoint you <laughs> in that endeavor. I do also have another question for you, Summer. Think back to when you first came to Manhattan as a Kansas State University student, um, and you've seen a lot of changes during that time, as well as you've been very instrumental in many of those changes as well. So as you reflect from that benchmark time, from the first time studying, setting foot on campus as a KSU freshman to now, what are some of the biggest accomplishments that you're the most proud of for the community of Manhattan and yourself personally? Yes, for the community, I think the growth that I've seen just through my eyes of renovating our downtown district, making it lively down here for folks to work and live and play, um, as well as opening up to, to make Manhattan a welcoming spot when you drive in. I think it, when I first got here, it was there were some eyesores as you first pull into town, and now it's just beautiful. We just have a great community. So I think I'm very excited about that. Um, and the growth and in maintaining our military base and our um, and K State and all of our schools that we have, those have grown so well. And then, personally, I think that I am proud that I've integrated into the community that I once thought was bordered by four different streets in this town. Mm -hmm. And I've left those. In fact, I live outside of the barriers of those four <laughs> streets. So um, the integration that I didn't know could be a thing in your community, I've definitely done that. And I've enjoyed it. Great. You know, one of the things that is always uh, impressive to me in my 25 years in the chamber business, there, there are a number of different people like yourself who work who don't get paid unless they're working, right? So they, because you're billing and, and to give up the, the time that you give up to volunteer is incredible. And uh, we just want to recognize that and, and appreciate all of the time you give us. Cause it is being on the executive committee and being chair is a huge time commitment. And unlike a lot of people, you don't get paid when you're not working. And so mm -hmm. uh, we appreciate that. So, and thank you for being with us today. Uh, we appreciate your time to be here today. And, uh, as we leave, if you had one thing that you wanted the public to know about the chamber uh, that maybe they don't know, what would that be? I think step a foot inside the door and find out what the chamber does. I think a lot of folks just don't know what a chamber of commerce does. I didn't know until I started working there. And, and you know, I don't know that I would have known if I wouldn't have walked into that building and taken an interview with Karen. So step a foot in because there are all kinds of different things that you can learn and be involved in through the chamber of commerce all right well summer thank you for being with us and uh, we'll look forward to a great 2022 thank you the think mhk podcast is brought to you by the manhattan area chamber of commerce don't forget to subscribe and like the think mhk podcast on your preferred podcast provider and you will never risk missing an episode if you enjoyed our show please give us a five-star rating and leave a review to find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org.
And now back to today's show. Welcome back to the Think MHK podcast. My co-host for this segment is Karen Hebert. Hey, Karen. Hey, Jason. Good to see you. Good to see you. Why don't you introduce our guests? I'd be delighted to. Today we have Dan Springer and Amber Petty with us. They both uh, are very involved with the Wildwood Adventure Park. We're delighted to have you here. Uh, Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Can you tell us as as you think about as I think about what brings people into our community? Certainly Wildwood has has added that new amenity. Can you share with us a little bit about how your business got started? Basically, the property uh, joining my parents' place where I grew up um, came up for sale. Oh, I'm not sure how long ago, 15 or 20 years ago. And uh, my parents end up buying it just because they had kind of over the years fallen in love with that land, you know, and it was kind of part of them. So they went ahead and bought it with uh, not really knowing what they were going to do with it is kind of how it started. And um, then they were just looking at different options eventually um, as a way to kind of utilize it, um, you know, maybe without just completely developing it into housing and things. So. We went uh, on a family vacation, I guess, to Nashville. See, uh, my sister lived out there at the time. And uh, we all went zip lining, and that kind of sparked the idea, I guess. So, um, and fortunately, we had like the terrain for it out there, and it was a, a pretty good fit. Um, and then the more we kind of learned about it, um, we thought it you know, would probably be a good addition to the community. So, so for the people who don't know, talk about where you're located. Uh, we're just a mile south of Manhattan on Highway 177. Uh, there on the, the be the west side of the road, kind of right where the Flint Hills meet the Kansas River. There, it's kind of the last little point. Lots of terrain through there, big hills, lots of trees, things like that. Awesome. And you officially opened uh, July 2015. Is okay when we actually opened up so in addition to zip lining um, what are some of the other activities that you can you can do at, at wildwood adventure park we also have a two mile 20 obstacle trail run that we do uh, we do a, a big event usually like twice a year once in the spring once in the fall and then we also um, if you have groups of say 10 or more um, we'll take out smaller groups throughout the year let them run through the obstacle course I would assume something like that you would get businesses come out and do team building and those kind of activities as part of of what you all offer. Yep. That's right. Um, We also do a lot with the military. Um, Fort Riley brings out a group probably once a month and they go through the courses kind of they have PT so they're always looking for something different kind of to get off base so we do quite a bit with them as well. For, For people who may have some height issues how I mean is it is it, would you say, is there different levels? Is it beginner? Is it intermediate? Is it advanced? What, how would you describe your zipline offerings? I would say, uh, well, we, we start you out um, smaller. So we, we start out with uh, our lines range from 100 foot long to 1,400 feet long. Um, so we start out on the 100 foot, you know, smaller ones. And we work we, um, as we progress through the, through the course, you know, they get longer, taller, faster, so kind of build your confidence, I guess, as you go. So you don't have to be an experienced zipliner. You can come out. No, we've had uh, – you, you have to be at least 50 pounds or five years old, and I guess on the low end, and then uh, you got to be between 50 and 275 pounds, I guess, to, to zipline. 
Yeah, I'd say 80% of the people have never ziplined before. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, most people we say, have you ziplined before? And we're like, oh, where? They said, oh, here. Um, so it's not very often you get somebody that has ziplined a lot just because Kansas, there's not, it's not very. Yeah, uh, other than the, the weight restrictions, it's really for any kind of age or type of person. It's a great family activity. So it's something that, you know, the grandkids can do with their grandparents and, you know, you're outside hiking through through the Flint Hills and kind of get out in nature a little bit. And so you referenced your dad. This is a family venture, right? I mean, you all yep. it, you all operated as a family and Yep. So, uh yeah, my parents actually started the zip lines and at the time, you know, I got involved kind of in day 1 when we started doing the planning and clearing the trails and um, through the building process and all that. Um so I started with them there, um, there, and then, yeah, they've been involved for the last five years, and then until the, this year, um, I ended up buying them out. They kind of were ready to retire, so we still work together, you know, but uh, it's been a good good family business, yeah. We appreciate the fact that uh, you have been uh, an entrepreneurial and taking that uh, risk of starting your own business. Uh, we've uh, had the good fortune of being a part of zipping and what i appreciate through the by promoting the flint hills it's a different way that you can experience the flint hills share with us a little bit some of the challenges as an entrepreneur uh, that you have faced and then there's an unknown fact i'm going to ask two questions as you zipped through the flint hills you actually zipped through something that is very unique to um, Manhattan and Kansas State University. So talk about the entrepreneurial spirit and the challenges of that. And then what is that that's unique about Manhattan and Kansas State University that you experience when you zip? First, with any businesses, there's pros and cons. Um, So whenever somebody is wanting to start a business, it's just looking at the reasons behind why you're wanting to do it. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to work less in general. Usually you don't have a set schedule. It's uh, even when you're not working, you're usually thinking about it or what you need to do, what needs to get done. Um, But it definitely risk and reward with anything like that. I would say with our business in general would be it's seasonal. Um, obviously in the winter, people aren't really wanting to get outside when there's snow everywhere. Uh, we can't really operate. So throughout the whole year, you kind of have to be careful um, with what you're maybe spending or doing just so you can make it through the winter. And also we're outside. So weather, um, we, what was at the beginning of June, it rained for like 20 days straight, I think. Um, so that was kind of a challenge, um, just trying to get people rescheduled or still talking about other things or events we're going to have, just keeping our name out there um, for when the weather did clear up. That The property where the zip line is located um, started, um, they had a rock quarry, I think it was called the Yulrich Quarry, and it started late 1800s. And it was kind of a neat operation, I guess, at, at the time. You know, looking back now, it was uh, a lot of work. Like those guys, uh, they knew what, what real hard work was. But they were prying limestone, you know, rocks out of the sides of the hill um, by hand with just rock bars and shovels and things and, and then hauling them to town with, uh, you know, mules and wagons. And then um, that's what they were uh, – once they get them to town, the masons would shape them, square them up, and then they, that's where they were building a lot of the – original buildings downtown 
um, came from up there and some of the early buildings on ca- on the K-State campus. Yeah. Yes. I think they said maybe Anderson Hall. Yes, that was my understanding that Anderson Hall came from that quarry. Yeah. And uh, as you zip line, that's what is so fascinating as you zip right through that to think of the uh, significance of the Flint Hills and how it has really truly built our community. And now you yeah, are entertained true. by being able to go and experience the Flint Hills in a different way. And right there you're experiencing a piece of history yeah Yeah. and the guides talk about all that throughout the tour they're very um, educational they talk about the quarries they talk about the different grasses or the different animals that are native to this area and yeah you zip um, on line six you zip through one and then while you're hiking so we're a zip and hike course so um, you hike between each zip line and you'll hike through several quarries along the way as well so you all are both from Manhattan originally yep correct so talk a little bit about what makes Manhattan a special place and why you decided to stay Families here is one, you know, family and friends are here, um, and it's just a, a good community. There's plenty of opportunity. Um, you can kind of do whatever you want, especially if you're into doing um, outdoor activities. Um, I feel like there's a lot to offer here. That's yeah. kind of what why I stuck around. I, You know, after or during college and after college, I went away for a little bit and ended up coming back, which I think a lot of people do once they – kind of see what else is out there they realize that this is actually uh, one of the prettier places to be probably and other than sometimes our weather is a little crazy but. <laughs> and I'd say um, I did the same thing left for college and came back Manhattan even within when I left it's growing constantly um, from all all directions and it's we're kind of just nestled into the middle of this valley where you have i-70 that's only nine miles away and then you have kansas state university fort riley so there's constantly people coming in and out or people coming to visit so it makes tourism good Uh, there's always people looking to do something whether they're eating shopping or looking for an activity Uh, there's something to do around manhattan so it makes a good community and everyone kind of supports each other in that way yeah and dan you brought it up Manhattan really is a mecca for outdoor kind of activities, right? Do you, you guys fall into that? And do you, do you enjoy doing the other outdoor activities, uh, boating and canoeing and hiking? And I mean, are those all things that you all do? Yeah, as well? yeah, we do that pretty regular. If we're not ziplining, we we could be, uh, yeah, paddling down the river. Um, we just took all our guides out last week, actually, kind of like a, <clears throat> a thank you for working over Labor Day weekend. We took them all uh, on a little float trip down the river. You know, we just like being outside and living that lifestyle, I guess. And do people, you think people visit Manhattan because of that reputation as an outdoor community? Or do you find that when you talk to people who are at your... Yeah, I think so. I think so. We get quite a few people that, you know, most of the people that come out our way anyways, are they're looking for that, so... So we see that quite a bit, I feel like. Yeah, they're always asking, like, where can I go to hike or rent a kayak or anything like that? So we're always telling about local places where they can go to kind of explore a little more. So I do think, especially um, during the summer and everything, everyone's looking for something outdoors to do. We'd like to offer our congratulations to you once again as you won the Tourism Development Award at our annual business uh, awards luncheon. What was your initial reaction to finding out that you were nominated? Uh, We were very honored um, in general just because there's so many deserving businesses in Manhattan, especially anybody that had to own or operate a business this past year, going on two years now, um, deserves some sort of recognition. It's been a rocky road, but um, everyone's been doing their best. So just for 
us to be listed with the other two nominees was an honor because um, they deserve it just as much as we do. And of course, you didn't know if you were going to win or not when you came. So uh, you, you, your parents came and you found out you won was, I mean, obviously congratulations, but I assume everyone was excited about it. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's uh I don't know, I guess they call it labor, labor of love. You know, you just work at it all the time and you just, you know, eat, sleep and breathe it. And so it's, it's definitely nice to see that, you know, other people appreciate our hard work, yeah. I guess. And of course, <laughs> 2020 in particular, and even some in 2021, uh, has been difficult on the tourism industry because of the pandemic. Uh, I'm assuming yours wasn't exempt from that, but you did have the advantage that you have an outdoor venue but talk about that whole experience and and what did you learn through that process if anything and and um do you think you were able to come out of it because of your outdoor venue or is it something that you still continue to to fight through on a daily basis being outdoors definitely helped that people feel more comfortable we did have to shut down for two months i believe um what was that last spring yeah we uh, got through spring break so we usually shut down january february so we opened up for about two weeks uh then spring break then we had to shut down until the first week of june really it was the unknown because you didn't know if it was going to be a month you didn't know if it, how long it was going to be um, mm-hmm. so that part is a little nerve-wracking uh, just kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen but once we were able to open up everybody was tired of being stuck in their house um, we did have to make quite a few changes on group sizes and spreading them out because uh, we couldn't have so many people here at once. Um, so that was kind of a challenge, but there was certain things we figured out we can do and couldn't do, um, which I think every business kind of figured out what works and what doesn't work through that time. And do you all feel like you're back to to pre-COVID normal or, is, or, or have you had to make continue to make some adjustments? Uh, we had some of the adjustments that we made during that time we stuck with. Um, I would say, like, you know, going back and looking over, like, the books and stuff, um, this year was, uh, yeah, probably about average, maybe a little bit above average probably. Yeah. Um, just because, like Amber was saying, you know, people are, people are ready to, you know, take the mask off and get out and just be normal again. So, um I think that probably had a lot to do with it. You've started business twice because you, you started with your parents and then you recently just bought it. So yeah. um, what advice do you have for individuals who are thinking about taking the step to start or purchasing uh, a business? What advice would you give to them? Do it for uh, the right reasons, I guess, and uh, just be willing to work work hard. Um, you know, if you have to put in extra hours and things, you're probably going to have to do some of that and just try to be realistic about you know um, the finances and and maybe what you're willing to sacrifice you know you may have to give up some family time or uh, something else in order to kind of get it kicked off and going so make sure that you're maybe in a position where you can you can do that Amber, what about you? Yeah, like Dan said, right reasons. Um, One thing is it's not going to be your normal nine to five. Um, It's something, like you said earlier, you're going to eat, breathe, and sleep it uh, when you're not at work. Um, Knowing that at the end of the day, you only have yourself to be like, oh, hey, we need this or that. Um, But on the good side of it, um, with our business, you get to see what 
you want happen happen. Um, so if you want to go out and do something, add something to the business or add something to it, um, you kind of have that freedom um, to be able to start um, something new, like with how we added the trail run and stuff, you can kind of just build off of what you have. And then just seeing people's faces every day, like coming out, um, meeting new people from all over is one thing that we've liked. Um, and just seeing kind of your the effort that you put into it come out of it. Karen, I know, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I talk about that Wildwood is an important part of our tourism efforts. Maybe what what is not just Wildwood Adventure Park, but but in general, attractions, so things that get people to get out and about. Talk about Wildwood and then talk about the importance of attractions. Absolutely. The, the importance to offer a visitor many things to choose from is great. Wildwood is an unexpected, exciting venue where people can build their confidence. Uh, they can learn a lot about themselves. As we've talked, they can experience the Flint Hills in a whole new way, and it's memorable. And certainly that's what, as tourism in Manhattan is all about, it's, it's about making a memory. Whether you are an art lover, a nature lover, uh, a music lover, um, a, a sports enthusiast, Manhattan has a lot to offer. And so to have one more entity in which to keep that visitor here um, a bit longer is great. And so we are so thankful for you for the vision that you have had to make your dreams come true, but also to help uh, that offering for a visitor have to have a whole new experience in Manhattan, Kansas is very much appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, and everything that uh, the City of Manhattan Chamber has done for us uh, throughout the past six years hasn't gone unnoticed. Um, so we appreciate everything for posting about us or advertising certain things we have, billboards, everything. Um, it definitely makes a huge difference. Great. So speaking of posting, and Karen and I were having breakfast one day, and, and we saw a post where you had a celebrity at your facility shouting out Manhattan and how great Manhattan was. Maybe talk about that for a minute. Yeah, um, we had Melissa Villasenor. Um, she is a comedian and she was doing one of her comedy tours. Um, so she started in New York and was ending in Denver. And since we have that perfect location right off I-70, um, she decided to make a little stop. And Dan and I actually got to take her out on a zipline tour. Um, so it was a lot of fun. She um, really enjoyed it. She thought Manhattan was beautiful. We told her some places to go downtown. I think she ended up going to the chef for breakfast. Um, so yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. And then she posted about it and it got a lot of recognition on there. So that was awesome. And Karen, that was a big push for the Convention Visitors Bureau, it right? It was a you huge all. push for us and just proof that social media works. And uh, yeah. there are a lot of eyes on Manhattan and our offerings. And so to be able to host her, sometimes we have... Um, folks that let us know that they're coming to town, but as a comedian, as a celebrity, certainly there are times that folks really want to be somewhat private and enjoy their own experiences, and I think this was a perfect example. She had found us on social media, wanted to experience that, but then to tell others. So she was able to have a great experience. Yeah, she actually... Uh found us on social media, messaged us on Instagram and said that was the night before and said, I'm driving through. Is there any way I can go the next morning? So it was very last minute, but it was definitely through social media. That's how she messaged us was through our Instagram account. So yeah, it's a very, very powerful tool to have. Social media works. <laughs> well, that's great. Dan and Amber, thank you so much for not just appearing with us today, but your investment in our community. And congratulations again on your award win. We, we were thrilled to, to be able to give you all that award. 
And uh, thank you for being with us on Think MHK. Yes. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Thank you.